Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Welcome, everyone, to the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review. You see, whilst the other Cultaholic... Oh, my God, Martin Kirby's fighting PCO in Carlisle. What? Sorry, I was doing the intro, and my mate Martin Kirby <laughs> is fighting PCO down the road. That's incredible. 24th of November. Get in, Martin. Anyway, hi. Um, welcome to Carl Holly Classic Raw Review. <laughs> Target Wrestling, look him up. Um, you see, whilst... The other Cultaholic lads are on the town celebrating our first birthday. Happy birthday, Cultaholic. Myself and my very good friend, we are here back in our Ica Pro Power DeLorean, going back through the heady heydays of early 90s WWF Raw. Who be we? I be Fake Geordie and Radio Type Tom Campbell. I be the bear in the big blue bar cage. He be with me tonight. Uh, the man who is the head pen of Cultaholic, because he doesn't need a pencil. He gets it right every time, first time. Justin Henry is there. Hi, Justin. I was just going to say we are the most professional podcast on the internet today. Mate, mate, Martin Kirby <laughs> is fighting PCO. That is ridiculous. That was Martin, please than... don't die, mate. <laughs> it would be lovely if you don't die. <laughs> That was the Homer Simpson, that kid's got bosoms, who has a wet towel moment. <laughs> it proper was. Do you know what? I'm not even editing it. Keeping that in. Keeping that Hell in. Hell yeah. Uh, so this is where we uh, talk about, uh, episode by episode, the early days of Monday Night Raw. And we are, um, we're going to get to that very soon. We've got a really, actually, you know what? We've got a decent episode to talk about tonight, Justin. Because there's that no Jim decent. Duggan in it. Oh, okay. Well, first off, screw you. And secondly, <laughs> and secondly, I have to say, this is probably going to be the best episode of Raw we see for a long time. Oh, this is the this is the service station on the long, dry motorway of life. This is our one chance to pull in, have a wee, have a coffee, buy some cake, get back on the road. This is the bunny ranch of service stations <laughs> because this was. This was one hell of an episode. Is it is, from is top the top to bottom? Is that your favorite service station? Well, it's, it's a service station, but it's not a service station. If you if you catch my drift, it's yeah. It's so is it a bunny ranch? <laughs> Keep saying it. Bunny ranch. I'll let you Google that real fast while I. Oh no, it's gonna be rude, isn't it? It's gonna be rude. Uh, well, it, 
depends what you mean by rude. Um, it's gonna be naughty. Uh, um, it's it's in Vegas. It's. Uh... Oh right, with you, with you. Okay, now now I've got to delete my uh, web history. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. As far as service stations go. I mean, it's, um... my favourite was going to be either Weatherby or T-Bay. T-Bay because it makes its own farm produce, but I think Bunny Ranch beats it, to be honest. <laughs> well, we well, we leave with a smile and our hearts full, let's put it that way. <laughs> but hey, before before we get into uh, this gangbuster episode of Monday Night Raw, we've uh, got... There's a gang something else there for a second. <laughs> Stop it! Get away from the Bunny Ranch! <laughs> Stop it! Uh, we've got announcement to make of a thing that we're doing. No, it's not an interview with Rob Bartlett. We'll get to that soon. I'm working on it. I'm wearing him down. And no, it is not three rings from L.A. Gore. I'm working on that as well. This is something else. And I'm going to go over to America to my boy, Justin Henry, who's going to tell you what the thing is. Well, some of you out there have inquired as to whether or not Tom and I would ever include the pay-per-views that go along with the raw reviews, the, you know, the the day before pay-per-views on, on the Mondays or in the case of Survivor Series on a Wednesday or whatever, if we would throw them in along with our mix. Obviously, we skipped the 93 Rumble. We skipped WrestleMania 9. However, after talking it over with Headmaster Pachiti and discussing it with my good friend Tom here and discussing it with an unnamed third person, we have decided that for the 1993 King of the Ring, Tom, myself and this unnamed third person, are going to record a watch-along commentary, which will be uploaded the day before the June 14th episode of Raw, so it would be in the chronological mix. Rather than do a simple review show that we've been doing for Raw, we are, as Teddy Hart once said, going to go the extra mile and uh, record an entire two-and-a-half-hour audio commentary for you to sync up with King of the Ring on WWE Network whenever you see fit. I'm really excited about this because I must admit I know what happens in the show but I have never watched King of the Ring 1993 properly all the way through. So this is a great opportunity to do that and if you've never watched it as well, you can watch it with myself with Justin Henry and the third man! Who's the third man? To quote me and Gene Oakland. And whose side is he on? Whose side is he on? Hopefully ours. Hopefully, uh, or is it a he? It could be a she. It could be a she. No, I'm kidding. Be a... We don't know any girls. It, it could be a Jen. <laughs> well, I know Jen. She's a woman. Jen's a woman. That's a good shout. I don't know Jen, but I know it, of Jen. It, it could be a genderless cyborg. I know a few of those. I know a few of them as well. Um, <laughs> but I won't say who because it would be mean. But there you go. There's our announcement. We're doing a King of the Ring 93 watch along. You can put us in your ears and watch King of the Ring with us. And the announcement of the third man will be very, very soon. And uh, I, for one, am very excited about yeah, it all this is. It all comes down to just little details and scheduling. We're going to make sure that all three of us are available at the same time because this man... He's a bit of a busy man, but he's more than willing to do this show. He's a very and busy someone... man running NXT. Oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> he's a very busy man doing commentary on Impact. <laughs> from his couch or from the, or, or, or from the actual building? 
Uh, depends. He's a Let's just put... he's a very very busy man. Uh, yes. Putting money in people's mouths whilst Virgil watches. <laughs> a few red earrings there. That's <laughs> <laughs> more than a few. But in all seriousness, this man is a. It is a man. I will say that. Just yeah, it's definitely a man. We don't know any girls. <laughs> he uh, he has been a fixture of the internet wrestling community for many 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 years. And has made has made quite a bit of name for himself, and is a, a very dear personal friend of mine. So, and he might give us five stars in the Wrestling Observer. <laughs> Why must you mislead people? <laughs> if you want to have, Meltzer, I wonder if I can we'll get him away Meltzer. from Vinny for long enough. Um, I'm not going to say that Brett wasn't supposed to win the tournament, but I'm not going to say that he was. It's just the indication that I got is, um, you know, um, it was a very good show, but you know. he might not win the tournament because he might be with us. <laughs> okay, just go on with a goddamn show, please. <laughs> okay, what? Well, where are we this week then, Justin? Tom, this may surprise you, but we are at the Manhattan Center in New York City. Yay! It is May, it is May 17th, 1993. And as, we, as I stated earlier, this was one hell of an episode of Raw. Probably, probably going to be, the, I'm not going to say the only great one we see for a while, but I think the best one we're going to see for a while. This might be WWE's, This might be one of their best one-hour episodes of TV ever. It was packed. Yes, and there was ne- there was nary a dull moment on this show. So we start off with our good friend Themis Claritas carrying the raw ring card. She's looking fantastic, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. Not as not as beautiful as Bobby Heenan's sherbet colored jacket, but oh man, Bobby Heenan knows how to dress, and I love his jackets, his big puffy sports jackets. It looks so <laughs> either... warm. Actually, I don't know if sherbet's the right word for it. It might be like um, cantaloupe colored. It is. It, it is like it's like an off orange, and it's kind of it's very fashionable, actually. We kick so off as we well get... with um, with stuff about the Special Olympics, which was really weird. Like the way it was put in, it was like, "Let's get on with Monday Night Raw," and then here's Savage going, "I was." With my friends, the Smoky Guns, at the Special Olympics event outside earlier today. And then we get footage of somebody from the Special Olympics doing some weightlifting. Very odd. Yeah, I mean, it was very nice, but I, I did take note of the fact that Vince, uh, well, Vince promoted the Special Olympics. He says it's on June 13th, and he has to throw in, that's also the same day as the King of the Ring, before coming back to the Special Olympics plug. They <laughs> haven't quite got the nuance yet of of how you put these bits in like no, nowadays it's it so seamless it'll be midway through a show and they'll go hey well this thing happened earlier today da, 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 and here's another match yes. here we go. they haven't quite got the nuance yet of, of squeezing these little nudge these little plugs in yeah it was, it was just so ham-fisted the way he plugged the king of the ring in the midst of putting over this you know, worthwhile event special olympics just, he just had to laugh and and it should be noted that at the, at the end of this opening spiel, Bobby DeBrinheenan promises that Razor Ramon's opponent, not named here, is going to be cut to ribbons. A little mm-hmm. plug for a squash match, which I didn't catch that at the time, but but there would be a reason for that. A very good reason. 
which we will get to in our in our uh, in a match a bit later on tonight. I would hope so. I mean, uh, I mean, plugging a squash match for the show, not for say you know All American Wrestling Sunday. Razor Man's going to be in action against some Jay Brown, but you know, do you notice as well at the start of this show? how annoyed Vince McMahon was by the sirens. Because obviously Monday Night Raw starts off with blaring sirens. But this mm-hmm. opening spiel went on for a good minute and a half, two minutes, and the sirens did not let up. And you could see Vince getting mildly frustrated with them. Uh, a little bit. If Vince tends to make goofy faces during moments like that anyway, you know, he, he can't just remain placid and mannequin-like. He's, he's, he's got to react to the stimuli around him. And it was, uh, I guess I didn't catch as much as you did. I thought maybe he, he was just being annoyed at Bobby Heenan's remarks and you know, his little comic spiel. So uh, I guess I kind of missed it there. I might have done. It just, I kind of, I kind of got the vibe that his eyes darted around in, in, in a frustrated manner as he was talking, almost as if like, why are these sirens still going? So that's what it felt like. And also in the middle of the ring, um, Howard Finkel says something to the Raw girl who was walking around with the sign. They cut to him mm-hmm. and he says something to her. And I'm I, I'm no good at lip reading. I would love to know what he said. Um, Could you keep, keep an eye on my car walking. when you go back? <laughs> <laughs> keep walking counterclockwise? I don't know. <laughs> if you're a lip reader and you can figure out what uh, Howard Finkel said to the Raw girl... What was her name again, sorry, Justin? Because I'm very rude and I've forgotten her name. That's okay. Femus Claritus. Femus Claritus explains yes. it all. So if you um, can lip read what Howard Finkel says to Clarissa explains it all, and let, let us know on Twitter. Hi, Sam. Breaking into my house with the ladder. Sam, it's weird, that. Sam, Sam Driver. <laughs> yeah, it's Sam Driver. He looks good then. He looks better now. They always lock him out so he has to enter through the upstairs window by putting a ladder against the Cultaholic headquarters. That's how he gets in. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> they keep changing the codes. <laughs> <laughs> Not much pretend that Ross Dell is Ross from Friends and he has a pet monkey. Hi. I've been watching a lot of Friends lately. <laughs> the big dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's here. <laughs> <laughs> so, speaking of sirens, this is a, as good a segue as we're going to have here. They replayed the entire footage of the Mr. Perfect Shawn Michaels brawl from the week before, in which Howard Finkel's car was had his windshield, had his windshield smashed by Shawn's flying foot. And when I say they replayed it in full, I mean they replayed it in full from start to finish, which was notable, as we mentioned before, because the actual police showed up at the, at the very end of the segment. You hear the sirens in the background. Because they never bothered to get a uh, permit to block off whatever part of the street needed to film the segment, it was it was done very cavalier and renegade style. But they just did it, it like very... quick, get in, record it, get out again. It was like guerrilla filming, pretty much. So then we, for some reason, Lord Alfred Hayes is outside. Why? I don't know, but he's got Sean Mooney's job now. He says he saw someone in disguise enter the building. And when we see who it is, we'll be just as surprised as he was. He now, said something happened that you cannot imagine. Now, 
I, I, we all, as you, as the episode will unfold, we will find out what this something is. But the idea of something happened that you cannot imagine was the words of Lord Alfred Hayes. Like, uh, did a dragon fly in? Well, no, I can imagine that. That's the thing. Oh, it's it's something that you cannot imagine. A dragon dressed as Elvis crashing through the ground and singing Kumbaya and then eating the Manhattan Center. But then I can imagine that. Yes, that's that's a problem. I can imagine that. You were so vivid in your description that I can picture it in my mind's eye. Something happened that you couldn't imagine. And, and, And what it ended up being would be something that we probably could imagine. See, here's what bothers me about this. Somebody in disguise has entered a building with more than a thousand people in it, and Alfred's not telling us who it is. And I'm thinking, in this very paranoid world we live in, doesn't that sound like something that, like, like maybe like the authorities should investigate? Yeah, that that certainly wouldn't happen <laughs> at a concert in 2018. No, it's like like a, a mysterious person has entered this building, concealing their identity. And it, you and won't I, believe I it. Re- it's going to be wonderful. Like, oh, no, check them out. You'll be surprised when you see who it is. Oh, I'll bet we will. It doesn't have be a pleasant surprise, does it? Oh, so there we go. So there is a pleasant surprise lurking around the building in disguise. Great. I'm not on edge anymore. <laughs> it's, it's intriguing, but I'm on pins and needles for some reason. I can't figure out why. It's all right, though, because the first tag team we see have guns yes so they'll protect us if, if, if there's an intruder in the building a michael myers-esque intruder thank goodness for them guys yes it's it is the smoking guns versus glenn ruth and what was the first name of the other guy his last name is vadia it's tony vadia tony vadia who is a rather peculiar looking man i well, googled first, he... him and Uh-oh. all I got when I Googled him was about 37 different blogs about old episodes of Monday Night Raw, which made me realize, mate, we, we, we haven't cornered the market here. There's loads. <laughs> loads of people are writing about old Raw episodes. We've got to go back and find a new niche. We're doing the review episodes of Super Astro from 1999. Mate, that might be the only one that isn't being done at the moment. I haven't that seen might... an NXT UK one yet. Well, perhaps we just haven't been beaten to the punch yet. Yeah, give it a... I mind you saying that. I can imagine there's one being recorded as we speak. But that's beside the point. <laughs> okay, I went to the Massive Results Archive from 1993. And I did the Control-F look on page for the word Vadya. And this was his only match from that year. And I'm going to assume his only match in WWE. Quite possibly it could be his only match in the company. So this man is—he's he, a peculiar-looking man, as I said. He has hair like Daryl Hannah. This luminous, <laughs> sleek the one blonde off of hair. Splash. Yes, the mermaid. I know another one. Yes. Okay. So he is very, very skinny. If he weighed 160 pounds, I'd be stunned. He's wearing a singlet that looks like it was the. Looks like the maybe a. Uh, Designed for like I mean like a, a teenage amateur wrestler, he looks so small compared to Glenn Ruth, who is the future headbanger thrasher. And it should be noted that Vadia wasn't even in the ring all that long in this match, which indicates to me um, a, a, a lack of experience. Let's say, so Ruth kind of had to carry things here. 
But it is the Monday Night Raw debut of Billy and Bart Gunn, two men that Glenn Griffin would work with extensively in the future with both the New Midnight Express and the New Age Outlaws. Yeah, we would certainly see these crazy cats again. In much different gimmicks, mind you. So the match is just your very basic extended squash match, and it, it ran almost four minutes, which kind of surprised me. Uh, Billy gets a, a, something resembling a sling blade at one point on, I think it was Vadya. And uh, they worked the arm for a really long time here on Ruth's. This whole like match, the, I feel, just felt like arm locks, elbow drops, leg drops. Arm lock, elbow drop, arm lock, leg drop. Tag in, tag out, tag in, tag out. You forgot. Vadya stands there watching. Vadya stands there watching. Vadya stands there watching. <laughs> Vadya ain't getting paid enough for this. He ain't getting involved. I think Glenn Ruth has a Facebook. I'll have to ask him if this is like take your son to work day. <laughs> uh, I don't know for sure if Tony Vadya is one of his kids or not, but it's... Given his size and and his lack of doing anything, it's quite possible. <laughs> well, that's a lovely father-son combo, Glenn and Tony. <laughs> Have headbanger beanpole. <laughs> so Vincent Heenan take time to make fun of the car that Sean and Perfect smashed outside on last week's episode because Howard hasn't suffered enough. And then we go right to the finish, which was one hell of a move. Yeah, this terrified me. <laughs> I want to see it come back even though it's terrifying. So we, I made a post about this on the official Cautaholic fan page. Billy sends Glenn Ruth under the ropes because we know Vadya ain't taking this move. The hell with that. Billy backdrops Glenn Ruth, the back body drop, but instead of him taking a full flat back bump, Bart is standing there, catches Ruth while he's upside down, and pile drives him immediately. That was badass. Looking. Unreal. Terrifying. <laughs> I mean, it's scary, but it looked awesome. Absolutely so, terrifying. But you asked a very, but on the back of that, you asked a, a very interesting question on the Cultaholic fans Facebook page. And mm-hmm. uh, people not being deterred by last week where you just went, yeah, no, nobody's played along properly. No one's played along yeah. like I wanted them to. They've, they've, yes, uh, they have answered your question. <laughs> Yes, apparently I was in a bad mood last week. And, yeah, you and had, made... you came on, you were like, oh, no, nobody got it. No one's got the question. Was like, Mate, there's lots of lovely answers. No, no, not what I wanted. So you, you turned to Matthew to hear... Greg then. Oh, no, it's not what I wanted, Like <laughs> You wonderful listeners weren't supposed to hear my annoyance and outrage last week. <laughs> but... <laughs> but see, last week I, I asked a facetious question and got serious answers. But wait, there, was time... some, there was some fun in there. We, we extracted no. some fun. There was, there was, but this time I asked a serious question and got serious answers, so yay. So, the question was, what is a wrestling move that you haven't seen in years that you would love to see make a comeback on the WWE stage based on the utterly terrifying backdrop pile driver the smoking guns did? The one I'm going to call the good luck with the rest of your career, mate. Slam. (laughs) (laughs) So, and there's some lovely answers. Which some of your favorites? Uh, well, I enjoyed a lot of the very basic ones that you just don't see anymore, like the short arm clothesline that Jake Roberts would always 
set the DDT with that was that came from uh from Brad Honage. Brad, Hon Brad Honage, yes. Thank you, Brad. We have Carl Engel who who suggested the Texas Clover Leaf. As well as well as the somewhat forbidden music that is the Crippler Crossface. The Although name you do see that once in a while. Yeah, uh, Samoa Joe does that once in a while. Although the Cloverleaf is is less seen, although Seamus did kind of bring it back a few years ago. Yeah, I guess that was the Irish Cloverleaf or whatever. Mm-hmm. Four-leaf clover. Uh, Carl Engel also wants to see the Slop Drop. It was just a reverse DDT, wasn't it? Slop Drop. Yes, but it should be called the Slop Drop. Call That's it the, the Slop Drop. Who was I watching recently that actually called... Called it on commentary as a slop drop. There was somebody I watched recently, and they they legit called the reverse DDT a slop drop. I was like, oh, that's cool. Fair enough. I I must have missed this. It was um, it, it must have been a I must have been down a YouTube rabbit hole, and I watched somebody <laughs> call a DDT reverse DDT a slop drop. Were you watching a Henry Gobble match in '95 and just didn't, he just forgot? Def. Oh, I might have I might have might have fallen into a coma and not seen. <laughs> Henry Godwin there, possibly. Um, Adam Cota says the stump puller. Oh, I love, friggin' love the stump puller. It does look so painful. It was a crack, absolutely cracking move. Absolutely cracking. As was the lion tamer, suggested by Benjamin Burton. Like a proper sure, but... lion tamer, where he like leans back at a three-quarter angle and twists their with... pelvis. And with his shin across the, the guy's head or neck. Hmm. I remember, I remember he demonstrated that on one of the very old Tough Enough episodes because one of the guys, it might have been Kenny King, I can't, I can't even remember fully, asked him why he doesn't do the Lion Tamer anymore. Why is, why is it got to be the walls of Jericho? And Jericho said, well, I'll, I'll demonstrate the two for everybody here if it's the shape what he, what he means. Did the walls, but just elevated Boston Crab. And he did the Tamer, and everyone in the room like cringed, put their hands over their mouths, like, oh my god, that looks so bad. And that's why we don't do it anymore. Because it's too cool for this world. Um, a simple sunset flip. Oh, sorry, Nick Tanner. Sorry, you going? Uh, well, you said simple sunset flip. That came from Nicole Cordova. Thank you, Thank Nicole. You, Nicole. That's now one girl that we know. Yes. So you're the one. Well, no, <laughs> you're that, the one. That's not true. Hey, that's the, hey, yeah. Nicole. We've just met you, but you're the one. <laughs> <laughs> we have several female fans. Thank you. I, I see Nicole. And my mum listens sometimes. So that's nice. <laughs> My mom doesn't listen, so at least you have that. <laughs> My um, dad said I'd never make a career about talking about myself in wrestling. Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? <laughs> so we come to Nick Tanner, who mentions the stun gun, which is also known as the hot shot, which is you know, the old Eddie Yorba move. The stun gun was Austin's finisher in WCW. Just grab the guy by the legs, lift him up, and drop him through it first across the top rope. Simple but effective. We got Tony Pliskin Stanford who mentions the Polish hammer. Oh, the Polish hammer. Yeah, I love the Polish hammer. I think Stevie Richards might uh, take umbrage with that one. Did he use you know the that Polish story? hammer? No, Chris Chris Masters did it with him in his debut match on TV and oh, broke Stevie's nose. Oh, yes, he did. <laughs> smashed him. Oh, never mind. He's all right now. Everybody's all right now. <laughs> Anthony Economou, I hope I said that correctly, says the atomic drop because you couldn't go one episode without seeing one. That is very true. You never see the atomic drop anymore. That was proper a proper Hulk Hogan move, that was. That was like Hulk Hogan. Oh, he'd have him up there for ages if he could. 
Ryan Palmer, who was my hero last week, mentions the heart punch, but he adds a comic twist to it. He This time, you add a defibrillator. If having heart punch performing you wasn't enough, then a heart punch on a perfectly live person with a defibrillator paddle would be literally heart-stopping. <laughs> okay, that could be funny. Excellent. Heart punch. I remember look always looked too complicated. Because you had to hold <laughs> their arms in a certain way before you did it. And then... And then, and then he had to wind up. It was just a bit like a bit clunky. If it was just like a punch directly in the heart, like a woof, wallop, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. But that's Palmer would, also, <laughs> Palmer would also later suggest the heat-seeking missile, which, was, which I think was Harlem Heat's one of their tag finishers at the time. They had several of them. They had that, the Towering Inferno, the Harlem Hangover. Um, what else we got here? Carl Engel mentions the Saskatchewan spinning nerve hold. Good call, Carl. I don't think I've seen a Saskatchewan spinning nerve hold. Well, sir, you haven't watched enough Chris Jericho matches. Clearly not. Because that was high on his list. Clearly, clearly not. It was. It came right after Armbar on his list. Who else have we got from here? Um, Bobby Eaton slingshot backbreaker. Adam Simon Southwood. Slingshot backbreaker. Is that the one? Because I think um, British wrestler Nathan Cruz does one like it, um, but he calls it the Thanks Tully, where it's a backbreaker, but he bounces the guy off the off the the rope as he does it. A bit like a sling, like a you know how Tully did that that suplex, um, that slingshot, slingshot suplex. suplex? Maybe it's not ringing a bell, actually. But I mean, it was his I'm finish. It was his finish for a long time in WCW, where he'd hook him up for a suplex. But then is he pick him up? He bounces them off the rope, and then he suplex him. Hmm. Pretty sure that's called a slingshot suplex. But Nathan Cruz does one called Thanks Tully, which is the same idea, but it's with a backdrop. Interesting. Yeah, it's very. It's a very cool move to call. It's a very cool move, <laughs> and, and that's what I'm thinking of when. Uh, when Adam Sounds Simon mentioned that one. I'll give a shout to Tom Williams here. The Mandible Claw. Um, maybe it's a little bit too uh, indelibly in our time with mankind. And, and, and he does mention the fact that the smelly sock aspect of it kind of ruined the effectiveness of it. But it actually is a damaging nerve hold. And I would know because I figured I had to do it and put it on my friends before. Oh, no. Is that something now you have in your arsenal in the event you get into a fight? Um. Well, it is effective. It is very effective if you do it correctly. I mean, it's... Uh, I did have a friend twitch a little bit, which is probably not a good sign. <laughs> is he still a friend? Uh, yes. Okay, that's fine then. He flew all the way over from Scotland to hang out with a bunch of buddies here, and then I put, it, put the hold on because he wanted to see what it was like. Oh, bless him. What a guy. Yeah. Um, Flying I, all that way so you can do that on him. I mean, that's I some weird re- Craigslist stuff, that is. <laughs> I, I don't recommend putting that hold on anybody because you can actually jack somebody up with that. Yeah, so let's not. let Do do not try this at home, whatever you yeah, do. Yeah. Yes, yeah, so for any of these moves, especially the atomic drop, because that's, that's lethal. Uh, John Eiley suggests the battering ram, the old finisher of the Bushwhackers. Thanks, to, thanks <laughs> by the way. Big love to John Eiley, who watches, watches this, listens to this podcast with Photoshop open on his computer. <laughs> 
<laughs> because he knows that at any point we're going to come up with some bizarre visualization and he's going to create it in Photoshop. John, I hope we never disappoint you because you, so, because you do not disappoint us. Oh, you absolutely do not, John. Wouldn't it be terrible if there was a dragon bursting out of the water with Mean Gene Oakland's head? <laughs> and, he, and he eats Lord Alfred. And he eats Lord Alfred Hayes. And Alfred's last words are, my word. <laughs> Thanks, John. Um, thank you. <laughs> and thank you for all your suggestions on that. Uh, we do appreciate you uh, getting involved with the podcast every single week. Big thank you as well if you took the time to message how much you love this show, particularly when I get angry about Jim Duggan. I'm really glad that, that my, my accomplishments in the audio medium have boiled down to me being angry with Jim Duggan. Oh, I'm going to tell you, yeah, but Jim Duggan's going to be the third man on the podcast. Do you know what? If it is Duggan, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm quitting. <laughs> I'm quitting. If it's Duggan, if it's Duggan, I'm going. I'm done. I'm not even joking. If it's Duggan. I told... I told him you were a sick child, and this, and this was your big wish was to <laughs> do a podcast with him. All I want to do is hang out with Jim Duggan. <laughs> Jim Duggan, can you can you buy, can you fight the illness I've got? He'll win. See, it's he, fine. You see, he he's like you. He's very jovial. He has a beard. He think he fancies himself to be the English version of Axlock. Oh carries, my he, god! He, he, he carries the Union Jack around. And, and his own two by four. I walk around going, hello! <laughs> people think, some people over here think he's a town drunk, but he's actually a very nice guy, and, and he's, he's not doing well, so if you can come in and do us a solid by making his day. Jim Duggan does, him- has, uh, does have Irish uh, family. There's, there's an episode of, uh, there was a, a WCW show where he was having a, a taped fist match and he went to <laughs> Ireland to find out the history of his family and it turns out that his great great grandma is like the taped fist champion of Ireland. I can't wait until he shows up to your front door <laughs> with an autographed 2x4 and a teddy bear and, and it's 6 in the morning on your day off and he wakes you up. Sorry to hear you're poorly, tough guy. Ha! <laughs> Let's watch a Mr. Hughes match, tough guy. Oh, that'll make me feel better. <laughs> Thanks, Jim. I feel loads better now. I think I think all the illness is gone. It's just fallen out during that Curtis Hughes match. <laughs> At that point, you just had to cancel Christmas because that'd, <laughs> that'd be my gift right there. Mate, I, I, I wouldn't do it. If Jim Duggan turned up at my door saying that saying Justin sent me, I would cancel Christmas because there's no way that anything ever could top that again. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. And now we go from that bit of joy to this bit of depression because it's a freaking ad for mania. The same one we've been watching for weeks and months. If Tom, if I hated you, I would send Todd Pettengill to your door. Oh, God. It, it's excitement because by activity, shut up. This WWF yes. Mania advert is doing my head in. Brush your teeth first. No, no, Todd, I won't. I won't brush my teeth. They still have Big Boss Man in the ad, even though he's been gone for two months. How well, slow are they with updating these ads? At least they fixed the Kerry Von Eric action figure one. Yeah, but it took them like about half a year. Okay, well, they did it. <laughs> Better late than never, Tom. Todd Pengill might have been sacked by this point. They're still running ads with him in for WWF Mania. Oh, God willing. <laughs> <laughs> and here's, here's poor Randy Savage selling his soul to the devil by putting Pengill over. Oh, he's going Chris. for it, isn't he? Yes, Savage, if nothing else, is a master salesman. Team player to the very core. So we, we have Vince McMahon in the ring to welcome out the Intercontinental Champion, Shawn Michaels! <laughs> of course, Shawn is your hero for vanquishing Hacksaw last week. <laughs> he didn't know, because he, he didn't win. Duggan got, like, Shawn got... He, he Duggan won by DQ. It's a tally mark on the left side. It's a victory. Duggan won by DQ and then chased everybody away, including the number one contender for the WWF title with a friggin' bit of wood. I'm not going there this week. I've been told that I need to either not talk about Jim Duggan matches or start taking my blood pressure tablets again. I'm not going there this week. That's... I was say, quit your bitch, and Sean won the match. Quit your bitching. <laughs> no, Duggan won the match. He no, won Sean by DQ. Won. No, perfect hit, Sean from behind. That was a... so. Sean got the DQ. No, win. but somebody attacked Duggan, didn't they? Oh no, 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 no. You are right. You are right. I stand corrected. I apologize. Sean Michaels yeah. um, did win by DQ. Did you spend the entire week in a funk because you thought Duggan won? <laughs> Just I was in a funk because Duggan. Duggan just battered everybody in the ring at the end of the night. Like nothing happened. Because he's hacksaw. He's, he's, he's... Right, just like... moving on. Shawn Michaels is out here with Vince. Let's talk about that. We're moving on from Duggan. <sighs> it's not healthy. It's not healthy for me to talk about Jim Duggan. Okay, so we got Shawn in the ring. Crowd chant, Shawn is gay at him. Very charming. It's a weird, it's a weird chant that is. It's very uncomfortable. <laughs> Although Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan hears Sean is great because Bobby's uh Bobby's very deaf when it comes to these things. Not deaf, but deaf with yes. a T at the end. And I'm watching this and I'm thinking, I can't believe Vince versus Sean was a future WrestleMania match. Do you know what? I completely <laughs> forgot that. Oh my <laughs> days, it is, isn't it? Oh, jeepers. I forgot the- all about that. They had a feud involving Vince's son and 
an invisible holy figure that Sean believes in. That's <laughs> and they had a match at Backlash as well, a tag team match. God where was God Shawn got Michael's tag music. team partner. Jeez. <laughs> and Vince made the ref check God for weapons. At least God didn't tear his peg. <laughs> Not. Not even God could save that magic crown jewel. Like a paraphrase, Halloween four. God's got nothing to do with this. <laughs> um. So, Sean's putting himself over very mightily. Man of his word. I'll defend about any time, anywhere, against anybody. You know, just you name it. Blah 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 blah. Sean's. He's on a high now because he's been champ for more than six months. He's the man. And he. And then that's when this mysterious uh, guy in disguise jumps the guardrail. He's wearing a baseball cap and sunglasses and this wonderful hooded T-shirt that I had I had the same, a similar outfit to at that time because it was very fashionable. So he, he's fairly incognito, this man. He enters the ring, and Sean treats him as just some ham and egger that jumped over the guardrail, just some, old, some any old fan from New York City. So Sean's like, I was like, like this guy right here, he wants to shot my Intercontinental Championship. And so they're like, come on, buddy, just go back and sit down. Then the man pulls off his disguise to reveal Marty Jannetty. And the crowd go mental. Yes, they do. They crap the proverbial brick just as Sean does. Sean was not expecting to see Marty here. Was not expecting at all. I so... think anybody was. It was wonderful. Marty yeah, looked Marty, great. Marty had been out of the picture for more for about four months at this point since the Royal Rumble, and uh, Sean's, as I said, is flabbergasted. And Marty asks, "Are you a man of your work? Because I'll wrestle you tonight." And here's Vince in full Carnival Barker mode, egging Sean on, and Sean's trying to stammer his way out of this one. Janetti makes it clear that he's like, "I got my gear. I'll go get it right now," and boom, the match is on. We have our main event. And he goes to get his gear, and we have the... the we finally have Marty Gennetti versus Shawn Michaels. On, on Monday Night Raw. Monday Night Raw. Now, there is a good part and a bad part to this. The good part to this is it was an amazing segment. Simple but effective. And a set up a match that I wanted to see. The bad part is... This would become a staple of many roles for the next 25 years. The The whole show wasn't planned out yet, so thankfully, somebody just so happened to challenge somebody during the show itself, and now we have the match to fill it out. I think they do less of that now than they used to. But it's weird now that they do it. I'll give you an example. I don't know whether you've been watching NXT UK. I have not, but go ahead. Um. I have. It's lovely that it, it, I love that it exists, and it's nice okay. to see mates of mine doing well, getting a nice paycheck. Sure. Happy days. Um, but they did a bit where uh, Zach Gibson comes out, Liverpool's number one, and he's giving the crowd all this grief, and he's talking bad about Noam Dar. Mm-hmm. Noam Dar then comes out, gives a bit of grief back. So you're thinking, okay, here we go. This is the thing, and out comes. Um, Johnny Saint, the right. general manager of NXT UK. And I'm thinking, oh, cool. So we're going to get Noam Dar versus Zach Gibson. And Johnny Saint goes, both of you two, 
in my office now. And they both leave the <laughs> ring. And then we don't hear anything for about 20 minutes. Like, what happened? Like, not? And then we and then we get the announcement. Next week, it's Zach Gibson versus Noam Dar. So it was it goes against that whole thing of the show's not planned. Later on tonight, this will be a thing. But it was something really emasculating about Johnny Saint coming out and, inst- and instead of doing the whole Teddy Long holla holla player, you're having a match now with the Undertaker. None of that. It was just, he went in proper, do you know what? In proper boss fashion. Right, you two, you're getting in the way, sure. Get to my office now. I like that. That's yeah, actually. Like, the crowd booed, obviously, because they're like, we were in a match. And they had a match later on. Well, not later on that day, but it was next but week it's... on the show. But it is just such a break from the cliche of, like, let's use the opening 20-minute bit to set up the entire show. It's like, okay, this guy's going to face this guy, that guy's going to face that guy, blah, blah, blah. from the corporation days of Raw when nothing was planned out, apparently. Oh, and you'd have, like, a whole roster of, of corporation guys coming out and then Union or DX on the apron, and it'd be like, you're facing him, and you're facing him, and you're facing him. Like, okay, so that's the rest of the night sorted. Thank goodness this happened. I like how you mentioned Union before DX. That does my heart very well. <laughs> I love the Union. Those are some people that carried big planks of wood that I liked. <laughs> Remember what their original name was? It was. It's an acronym, isn't it? Yeah, it was almost an acronym. It, it was very poorly thought out. Go on. The Union of People You Ought to Respect or Up Yours. <laughs> oh, God. Guess who the head writer was? Was it Vince Russo by any chance? No, it was no, Vince Russo. Gone by that point. No, no, he was there. He was there. Oh, was it him? Yeah, it was like April or May of '99, and he didn't leave till like October. Ah, so there we go. So that's the that's a Vince Russo production. Ah, Vinny Rue, how we miss you. Maybe, well, maybe we'll ask him about it in a couple of weeks when we do the King of the Ring. Dun dun dun. Third man, Vinny Rue? <laughs> Question mark. And- Speaking of third men, we go to the I first swear, man. I swear to God, on my yeah. honor, I'm going to watch King of the Ring. Sorry, Yo, bro, sorry, we'll watch King of the hey, Ring. Hey, bro, 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 we'll go watch King of the Ring, bro. It's not him. <laughs> it is not him. Or is Don't it? get your hopes is, up, people. Or is it, Vince? Is it Vince Russo? You'll only find out on Patreon. Well, you won't. It's free. We're not putting it on Patreon. <laughs> so we go from the speculation of our third man to the actual first man of the actual NWO, that being Razor Ramon, who had Bobby Heenan promised earlier is going to cut his opponent to ribbons. And that opponent is our old friend Sean Waltman, here for the third straight week to take his ass whipping. The First kid. it was Doink, then it was Mr. Hughes. And when he faced Doink, he was the kamikaze kid. Last week, he was the cannonball kid. This week, he's just the kid, because he's not, he's not worth a name. He's just simply the kid. And if you've never seen this match, this is one of the most famous bouts in the history of Monday Night Raw. I love everything about this. I love the fact that it's as it's happening... They're just talking like it's a standard guy versus jobber match. They're not really focusing on the match. They're talking about other things that are happening. And I and that's what a wonderful red herring that they chuck in there. 
And while we start off, Razor uh, blows off the Rosati sister who's carrying the placard around the ring. As Bobby Heenan, Bobby Heenan quips, would you let a Winnebago kiss you? <laughs> that was a great line. <laughs> oh, Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Your likes will never be saying, seen again. <laughs> exactly. So it's Razor and Kid. Kid gets his ass beat, thrown around the ring. Razor corners him and hits him with this super loud chop at one point. This overhand stinging chop that could stop your heart like a heart punch, I'd think. One of those aneurysm causers. Painful, painful, painful. Throws him across the ring with his body. The kid, the kid gets great height on. Kid is just... He's hes getting tossed around like a rag doll. Tries to mount a comeback, gets caught, fall away, slam. You know, so far it's just your prototypical Razor Ramon squash. Just toying with the kid. And then it happens. He sends Kid across the ring, tries for the corner charge. Kid moves away. Razor posts his chest right into the buckles there. Staggers back stunned. Kid climbs to the top rope, throws a sky-high moonsault that almost almost hit a fighter jet on the way up. That's how much, how much height he got. His knee catches Razor in the head, lands on top of him. One, two, three. The Unbelievable. Place the place goes effing berserk. Razor is beside himself. Kid's beside himself. He's like, oh my god, I won. The crowd's jump up down like, like, like maniacs. Like it's a mosh pit. McMahon, Savage, and Heenan are trying to talk over each other. Like, what just happened? What? 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 Like, everyone is electric at this point. <laughs> I remember watching this as a kid. I couldn't believe it. Because you never see the, the jobber or the loser or the prelim guy, whatever you call him, beat the name guy. It never happened. Until then. And Razor's kicking the ropes. He's trying to figure out what in the hell just happened here. He got beat by this 20-year-old kid that has nary a hair on his face. <laughs> he, he, he jumps down the ringside. He's yelling at Vince because he's trying to save face. Savage asks him, what happened, brother? You got beat. <laughs> and he's, and it, it's just it's pandemonium. All hell it's a wonderful, one wonderful moment. moment. And what was great about it was... They're trying to get over this idea of anything can happen in the World Wrestling Federation. That's what they mean. And literally anything can, including a nobody beating a star like Razor Ramon. And um, he was asked about it uh, in an interview with, I believe, Wrestling Inc. When he talked about like the, the match with Razor Ramon, uh, or Ramon, as I should say. I don't know why I started calling him Ramon. Um <laughs> They asked him whether it was always the plan, um, you know, for the first couple of weeks to get battered and then to pull out a win. And uh, uh, Sean answers thusly, all of that, that was the plan the whole time. It was all by design. The squash matches with Curtis Hughes and Doink the Clown, all of it, I mean, when Vince laid the whole thing out to me, he actually laid out who the guys were that were going to squash me and how that was detailed in the plan that he laid out. It wasn't the main goal, first and foremost, because I was still unproven. The main goal was to use this to turn Razor Ramon babyface. And what a brilliant way to do it. What a different, unique and brilliant way to do it. And then also introduce me. And if I the bed, I the bed. At least you're going to get raised the Razor turn. So they got two for the price of one, and they both work great. 
So believe it or not, that was the catalyst initially <laughs> to turn Razor Ramon into a good guy. Mm. That I did know. I, I've spoken to Sean before. I ha had the occasion to interview him about two years ago for Fighting Spirit. Hell of a nice guy. Someone, someone has great perspective on his own career as well as the business at large. Learned a lot by talking to him. But yes, that was the original plan. He was going to come in and be the upset guy that would cause Razor to have kind of a humbling moment. And you don't see it in this moment here when Razor is angry about losing, when he's trying to make sense of what in the hell just happened. But it is going to build to something. And it does lead to Razor becoming the babyface hero that he would play for the next three years in WWE. And it's a great angle. It's a tremendous angle. And not only that, but it took a barely 200-pound wrestler in Sean Waltman, and, and it made him. In a company that was known for pushing only muscle men and giants and behemoths, and some technical wrestlers about, the two, about 230, 240 that actually look like they belong with heavyweights, he fit in. And he always had that the point, the point at. I beat Big Bad Razor Ramon, and I beat him cleanly. He, he, it, was seen, it, was seen, it was seen as a fluke, but he would get more wins later on to establish why he should stay you know, with the big boys. And at that, at that point in WWE's history, it was rare to see but it was cool to see. I think because it didn't happen very often, it was a big thing when it did. Absolutely. And the fact that it was, it was a jobber, someone presented as a jobber doing it, made it even cooler. And I got to say, other than the perfect versus flare match from January, this is easily the best Raw moment so far. Possibly, possibly the best Raw moment so far. It feels like it was a huge moment. Like this really felt like the company were going in a new direction with some younger, fresh talent. This felt like a thing. It was like the positive version of Brock breaking the streak because you didn't see it coming. This to me is yeah, it's up there with like you say with Brock with Brock breaking the streak in terms of that shock value. Do you remember when Maven eliminated the Undertaker from the Royal Rumble? Oh yeah, oh yeah, that was awesome. This really felt feels like that. It, it, it does have that feel to it where it's just it catches you off guard but that's I guess, as, as, we've, as we've beaten to the ground now that's why it works so Absolutely. hate to move on from, hate to move on from that but we've got a little more ground to cover here and that was uh, as we said possibly the best role moment so far so we, we come back we have Tatanka versus Scott Taylor. Now, this is more like the role that we know and love in 1993. There's Tatanka. I got to say, Scott Taylor had some interesting moments here. First is when Themis walks past him with the, with the giant Raw card. He makes this bizarre stiff upper lip face in her direction, which I had no idea what he was going for there. And then when Tatanka finally makes his entrance and, and they're squaring each other up, he starts doing his own mock war dance while patting his hand over his mouth as if he's doing the, I guess, like the war cry. Like, you know, the, the stereotypical what? If you were to play an Indian in the movie and you didn't know what they did, this is what would be like your first instinct as to what to do. So he's he's doing very stereotypical things in a very mean fashion in order to draw Tatanka's ire. And it certainly and did because Tatanka went hell for leather on him, I thought. Uh, yeah, Tatanka beat the stuffing out of him. Big style. And and you thought it was weird that Sean faced Vince at WrestleMania 13 years later. 
Here's the Tonka and Scott Taylor, and they're both going to be on SmackDown in 2006. Oh, gosh, isn't that true? Yes, this would be Scotty Too Hottie versus Tatanka in 1993. So How very weird. weird. I wrote Taylor Mock's war dance, this aggression will not stand. He really just goes for him. I didn't know whether anything else had happened between them earlier that night because I thought Tatanka was really quite tough. Well, I, I think they're trying to emphasize the fact that, he, that he's much much more on edge and much, much angry at this point because of Bam Bam cutting his hair, attacking him, beating him down, cutting a, ch- a chunk out of his scalp there. That, uh, pun, yeah, that's Pun true. not intended. Pun not intended, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he backdrops Taylor hard to the outside, comes flying off the apron with a tomahawk chop to the face. So he's really showing an aggressive side here. Can you explain to me, Justin? Yes. Why Bobby Heenan on commentary? I, I, know, what, I, know, I know what you're calling this. You know where I'm going? Shall I, shall I let you take the lead on this one? Because I was very confused. I'll let you go ahead and I'll just nod when you're done. Bobby Heenan started talking about a survey of Americans and how they use toilet paper and how they have toilet paper like hanging on their toilet roll holders. And I, I don't know whether I... Whether I'd not, because I was a bit sleepy, because I was, I was, when I'd watched this, I was on the morning shift, so I was kind of, I drifted in and out a couple of times. I don't know whether I missed something. Like, why was Bobby Heenan, in the middle of a Tatonga versus Scott Taylor match, talking about toilet paper? Well, I have a theory about this. Okay. I think Vince took his TV away. <laughs> okay. That is my entire explanation. <laughs> So just boredom? Um, possibly. I, 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 I'm listening. To I'm like, is this going to end with like a, at least like a, a great joke or something? And he's, he's going to turn this into, or is it just a, like a shaggy dog story where he has no point to it whatsoever and it's just going to end flatly and shockingly was the latter. It just it went nowhere. Savage events that. Hardy sold for him and didn't have any. There was nothing to it. It was, it was just like a one non sequitur after another. It's a very odd moment from Bobby Heenan, who is normally really good with a one-liner, but this was confusing. Yeah, it's maybe he was still flabbergasted from the whole Razor Kid match. I don't know, but a loss. It went nowhere. But either way, uh, as that went on, Tatonka just battered Scott Taylor. Hit him with the end of the trail, Samoan drop, and won another match. And Tatanka's winning streak infinitely continues. Fans were doing the Atlanta Braves war chant in the crowd because they associate the Atlanta Braves baseball team with Tatanka because of the whole Native American motif. Oh, is that what that was? Ah, Okay. Oh, that's cute. Yeah, they they do the tomahawk chop with one arm where you hold your arm up like... And, and then extend it outward and then do it rhythmically while going, oh, 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 and then repeat. Well, the more you know. And as a Phillies fan, I hate that chant. And I'm with happy when the Braves fans are silent. <laughs> I like how that upsets you on a, on a meta level. <laughs> because that year the Phillies did beat the Braves to get into the World Series, but then lost to the Toronto Blue Jays. So now I has a sad.
Oh, well, we got ours in 2008, whatever. Anyway. There you go. We have our King of the Ring report. In which Mean Gene reveals that the third man for our podcast is indeed Fatty Arbuckle. Yay! I mean, we said we weren't going to say. <laughs> uh, let the cat out of the bag. All the oh, yeah. Fatty's coming on. He's been gone for about 80 years, but screw it. He's going to do we the dug show him with up. us. He's all right. He's with us. Yeah, with the help of uh, Destro and the um, car battery, we've, we've shocked him back to life. We're sponsored by Castrol, and this is the way that we've got the sponsorship. <laughs> By using a car battery to bring Fatty Arbuckle back to life. Yeah. He's going to be PCO Mark II. <laughs> Martin Kirby's fighting PCO in Carlisle. I can't get over that. <laughs> I, it's, 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 it's in the area, when it's, but it's just a bit outside the area. And it's a weeknight, but I really want to go. Have they identified Martin's next to Ken yet? No, but I think they'll have to. November 24th. That, that is a Saturday. Night. Oh, it's a Saturday. Oh, I might go. I have to get clearance. I, I kind of want to... I, I do and I don't want to... Anyway, that's for another time. Martin Kirby fighting PCO. <laughs> Can't get over it. Martin, mate. Martin's been mate. Martin, if you're listening, mate, I'm really worried for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, PCO's a... He's a different animal. And, he's a beast. And, and we'll cover PCO in great detail in about four months. Ah, oh, I'm excited. I'm excited. Um, King of the Ring report. Uh, Gene Oakland tells us to contact our cable operator and make sure we get King of the Ring. Now, Justin, did you ever have to contact your cable operator? Yes. What's the crack with that? How does that work? Because we never had to do that in the UK. Well, back in the day, it wasn't up to me to order pay-per-views. It was because of, as, as a kid, my father would have to order them. He he would call the local cable operator, and he'd have to give him some sort of number, possibly like the last four of his social or whatever, and they would and and, and confirm it, confirm the address on the account, blah blah blah, and then boom, we'd have the pay per view. And would it be on one of like the later channels where it would normally be really scrambled? Uh, yes, it would. It, it would unlock it. Right with you. And, and then later on, when t- and around maybe two thousand one, two thousand two, when I was old enough to decide what I wanted to order because I had the money to pay for them. I would, I would just dial in the number, and they would say, thank you for calling Comcast and Demand. Your order has been confirmed for SummerSlam 2001, scheduled to start at 7.30 p.m. Thank you for your order, and then it would hang up. Oh. And then later on, it would, uh, once we got digital cable, you just hit the on-screen button, and boom, you got it, which is how it works today, to this day. There was a, there's a really synonymous bit of music. I'm trying to find for when you ordered it on Sky Sports over here in the UK. Okay. And when it finished, it would just have like the like a like a card for the pay-per-view, but it would play this like jazz music underneath it. And it's quite synonymous because obviously pay-per-views are on at stupid o'clock over here cuz American time. And the amount of times where I would be Watching a WWF pay-per-view, shut my eyes, and then open them again to the static card and then this jazz music. <laughs> just is like, oh, of, man, I've done it again. Is it of the adult variety, this music? No, it's not really of the adult variety. If I find it, I'm going to um, I'm gonna share it somewhere. Not um, like Bowchick about Bow Jazz? Or... No, 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 no. It's, uh, it's like smooth jazz. 
Remember the Sky okay. Sports closed down theme? Ah, this was it, I think. Hang on. So, yes, so while you're searching... It, this is it. Okay. Any British nope. wrestling fan now is having flashbacks to going, oh, I've fallen asleep during the pay-per-view again. <laughs> it's like Weather Channel music. I know. I love it. Conditions at Philadelphia. 62. With with light, fair skies. Beautiful. Anyway, um, <laughs> that's that. You're very welcome to it. <laughs> Copyright Sky Sports and all that nonsense. I almost grooved to that. That was nice. It's beautiful. But then, but you, but you, you always associated it with utter frustration because that meant that you'd fallen asleep watching the pay per view, and you'd hear that music. Oh God! <laughs> for me, for me, it was just waking up and for me and realizing I was watching an infomercial at four thirty in the morning. And that's when like, you were like, "Oh, rubbish, Mister." Like, 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 I don't need that damn thing. I'm not in bed. Where am I? <laughs> <laughs> so, so Minji puts over uh, one through three kids' victory. Sure, he does. He gives us a nice outdated Carl Lewis reference in 1993. Although to be fair, Carl Lewis did have his most infamous moment in 1993, and it wasn't Olympic related. Have you ever heard Carl Lewis sing the national anthem? I don't believe I have. No. Uh, Google that and watch it after, because you, you will laugh. It is it is a beautiful, beautiful moment. Carl Lewis doing the national anthem. That happened in '93, I believe. So we. Minji runs down the card. It's Hulk Hogan versus, and I'm quoting here, Japan's most awesome power, Yokozuna. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, because Hogan already beat Muda. <laughs> then, then Oakland says, then Oakland says that we've been reading about this tournament in magazines and in newspapers, and we've been hearing about it on the radio. I don't that think it was getting one, that many plugs, was it? That is one beautiful kayfabe statement. I want to live in whatever world Mean Gene lives in. That is up there with any time Hulk Hogan in TNA announced a mystery opponent, a mystery tag team partner, he'd go, my phone's been ringing off the hook, brother. <laughs> no, it hasn't, mate. Your phone's not on the hook anymore. It's 2011. Exactly. <laughs> and then Mean Gene says, buzz on the street. <laughs> what street? All those kids in Manhattan going, hey, so who do you think is going to win the King of the Ring? I think it's going to be Doink. He, he exits, means he exits the subway, going about his business, and there's and, and there's these hood rats on the street corner, and they're talking about, like, like yo, I, 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 I think Bam Bam Diggle is going to win this year. What about you? Like, yeah, no, I think it's going to be Bret Hart, man. And Minji overhears it, and then he just smiles and nods, like, yeah, we're a big deal. The amount of times I've got on a bus and people have just been talking about who's going to win the King of the Ring. It's just, <laughs> oh, a constant, constant stream. Minji walks through every office building in New York and, and the, all the water coolers, and that's all they're talking about, is Tatanka versus Lex Luger in the King of the Ring tournament. <laughs> so we have three official matches for the tournament. First rounders is Bret Hart versus Razor Ramon. Hacksaw against Bam Bam. I can't wait for the watch along. Oh, God. And... Man, he gets pinned, don't worry. And Tatanka versus do. the Narcissist. <laughs> and Tatanka versus Lex Luger, the Narcissist. Meanwhile, in qualifiers, we have Sean versus Crush. And that one will end up being null and void for reasons that we'll get to on next week's show, actually. Meanwhile, the other qualifier is Kamala versus Mr. Hughes. And a match that I wish was on Raw so that we could review it for the show. Alas. 
We'll watch it. And then we wrap up with Mean Gene and Randy Savage making lecherous comments about Sensational Sherry. Oh, yeah, she... proper pervy. I didn't like it. Well, well, at least Savage was with Sherry in storyline at one point. So it, it, it kind of... I don't say I hate to use the word acceptable here, but it's 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 more sensical than yeah. just Mean Gene being being King Perv. He was always a bit pervy about Sherry, though, wasn't he? Well, Sherry's a beautiful woman. Yeah, but old Gene, old Mean Gene, was always like throwing little filthy comments her way. I gotta find the event where he made that comment to Major Guns in WCW. About giving him a certain pole to raise, raise her flag up. Oh, I don't know. I have not heard this, but I feel a bit sick in my mouth just at the thought of it. <laughs> yeah, mean Gene's a—he's uh, almost a national treasure, not on Bobby Heenan's level. Yokozuna versus Kamala. This is our semi-main. <laughs> this this was bizarre. Bobby Heenan. Uh, Sandbagging the uncooked, uncensored line as Kamala comes to the ring made me laugh. <laughs> Kamala had a moment here where he's coming to the ring. He's making his weird Kamala face that he always makes. And then he raises his hand and no-look tags a fan's hand while staring off into the distance. And I had no idea what this was, but it was great. Very odd. Kamala was, like, weird. He was, like, in some sort of... He looked almost sad tonight. He was, like, in a, he was, like, in a trance. Very weird. I don't know whether he, whether they were sort of showing that he was frightened of Yokozuna. He, he does hold the rope open for the Rosati sister because he has manners and is a, is a gentleman. And that's when Vince says, you can bet the Hawks are looking on as we speak. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, of course he is. He's he's putting that trinket in the on the top of his shelf. Probably jet skiing at night. <laughs> <laughs> Just practicing thunder in paradise. With a with one of those flashlight minor helmets on his head, going <laughs> that's a great going through the Gulf of Mexico. That's a great look for Hogan. I love with, it. With the bandana over top. <laughs> Amazing scenes. So Kamal and Yoko do the sumo bit where they slam into each other. Kamal's getting the better of them. The crowd's, the crowd's getting into this, actually. They actually are into Kamala and Yokozuna. I think this is it, because el- emphasis has been put on both guys. So, therefore, people know who they are and like what they stand for. And they're really pulling for Kamala, which is great. Plus, horse fights are a lot more fun than people realize. This so- is very Big Daddy Giant Haystacks, the start of this bit. Yes. Because Big Daddy and Giant Haystacks was like the, the biggest... UK rivalry in the history of British wrestling. I don't care what you say. Don't even at me. It was. And the time came where they had this big one-on-one fight. And it was just two fat blokes just running at each other. And that's what it was. And then the the biggest match they ever had ended when Big Daddy did a belly push on Giant Haystacks that sent him out of the ring, crashing through a table at ringside. And it was a count out. And Big Daddy won. And it was like, yeah, Big Daddy sent Giant Haystacks back in. It sounds awesome. It's just amazing. Just two, just two fat blokes belly pushing each other. It's wonderful. Was it, was it as good as the Chris Sproul's belly push? Nothing is better than the Sproul's belly push. Jimmy Havoc loves that match. <laughs> so do I. I know, but it's a, it's ridiculous. I was I was at with Jimmy Havoc 
at a at a premiere in bar till about three a.m. and he insisted that we watch Biggin and Wigan together. <laughs> he, he is a man of a, he is a man of exquisite taste. He, it is, and and who am I to deny Jimmy Havoc watching the Biggin and Wigan? And uh, we had a lovely night, by the way. In the unlikely event you're listening, Jimmy, love you. Let's do that again soon, please. Many thanks. <laughs> I had a friend who's associated with Cultaholic watch that match when she was feeling down. Aww. And it cheered her right up. It cheered her right up, and she was quoting it afterwards. It was wonderful. So is that two women that we now know? Uh, we have more than two. It's just <laughs> being facetious. God damn it. Hey, we know two women. I'm my mum. That's three. <laughs> We've almost doubled it. Yes, come on! <laughs> So Vince notes that Hogan is slimming down for the King of the Ring match. Yeah, that's <laughs> he is off is. the drugs. <laughs> He's making himself more aerodynamic. He's going <laughs> to shave his head like Chris Sproul's did. <laughs> yeah, it worked for Sproul's. Sproul's came off all the drugs before the Bigger Than Wigan to make himself more aerodynamic. Hogan's doing the same thing. <laughs> so instead of being the Bigger Than Wigan, it's the Great Nandine. <laughs> oh my... <laughs> Good night. End of the show. Good night. We're done. <laughs> done. That's it. We're, I'm done. Bye-bye. Go to bed. We're done. That's the best. Yes, yeah, I hope you know that when when you, me, and Name Redacted, not that Name Redacted, but Name Redacted, get when to me, the you Hogan and Chris Sproul's. <laughs> get, get to the Hogan Yoko match. You have to dub commentary over it. You know that, oh, right? Oh, do you reckon he's going to make me? W4 by 1993 Hulk Hogan. He's a poor man's 84 Hogan. He is a poor man's 84 Hogan. Oh, it's, do you know what? The more I'm, I'm so I, I'm excited for us to announce it because I the the person in question we've spoke before because years and years and years mm-hmm. and years and years ago, um, I interviewed him on a radio show I used to do many moons uh-huh. ago. So I stayed up very late one night and interviewed him, and this is probably the second time that we've done stuff together. And oh, I'm excited. We'll announce it soon. It's, it's going to be good. It's going to be great when Cage Tyler joins us. <laughs> the man whose career you ruined. Yes, you're welcome. Who's, Sorry, Cage. Whose spirit, who's spirit you broke. I did. He said he could. He had to retire because he said he could. He, he said, quote, I can't get out of the shadow of the bigger and Wigan. <laughs> you, sorry, you, tried to put, you tried to put him over. So sorry. I feel so bad. Let's get to the damn finish of this match because we've got a yeah, we, 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 we got, we're running yeah. out of time here. <laughs> yes. Um, so Yoko beats Kamala down, drags him to the corner for the bonsai. Then Vince, for some reason, decides to put Kamala over by saying he's playing possum. Yeah, and what goes, was that about? Like, was it because the selling was so bad that it looked like he was faking it? I have no idea. But then Heenan goes, he's not smart enough, and then <laughs> Savage concurs with Heenan. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he's. I don't think he knows what the hell's going on here. And then, boom, Bonsai finishes. That was a fun match, though. It was. It was much more fun than I thought it would be. It was a, it was a spirited hoss fight. But it was. But what we have next will eclipse that. What we have next is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated 1993 Match of the Year. <laughs> Incorrect. The match they had later, two months later, oh, was Match of the Year. Well, this is a close. This is so far the Cultaholic Classic Raw Review Match of the Year. <laughs> yes, um, which is in far more with, prestigious. In conjunction with retro issues of, of PWI, 
to Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty for the Intercontinental Championship. We get a very fast-paced opening. And Marty gets this wonderful leapfrog sunset flip for two. I mean, usually for sunset flip, the guy's bent over, and then you just kind of do the front flip over them. Marty leapfrogs a vertical Sean, then swings his feet up into the armpits and flips him into the sunsets. It was like a Canadian destroyer almost. In 1993... It was amazing. It was it was ahead of its time, that particular bit. Yeah. And Marty's just a house of fire. Because, because Sean's not expecting to face Marty on this night. Marty's fired up. Throws, knocks him to the floor with a clothesline. Baseball slide, a piscata follow. Back inside, Japanese arm drag, arm drag. Flying head scissors for two. A very close two count there. Sean barely got the shoulder up. Because Marty is just... He's on his game, and Sean is frazzled. And... The, and they're doing a great job of selling that story. Marty sends Sean flying in the opposite corner. Sean does the flip bump where he rolls up onto the top buckle, and then he just falls to the floor from there. And it was... At this point, Sean might as well have the words tilt in both eyes. He's like a Looney Tunes character that's just getting decimated. He was getting knocked left, right, and center by Marty Jannetty. He, he, he tries to take in the count-out loss, grabs his belt, goes to leave. Then who should show up? But Mr. Perfect Get stops him right in. at the entranceway. Perfect even takes time to point out the word Mr. Perfect on on the breast of his coat. Kishon forgot, forgot who he was. Because he's Mr. Perfect and he'll, he'll remind you of that. I like it. I like it. There's even a three-way conflict here because as Perfect's yelling at Sean and goading him back to the ring, some dumbass fan grabs, grabs Kurt Hennig's arm. He just Perfect swats turns, at him, doesn't he? Like, get off. Yeah, and he returns to admonish him for a second. It's like, dude, you're doing a bit here. It's not about you. As I'm yelling at a man 25 and a half years ago. <laughs> Guy could be an upstanding citizen now, but I'm still going to scold him. As you should. As you should. So Perfect sends Shawn Michaels back to the ring. And Bobby Heater at this point is, is enraged by what's going on. And he says, you never know what's going to happen here on Monday Night Raw. I, I hate it here. <laughs> <laughs> just that line just tickled me. I hate it here. As opposed to, as opposed to to it today, where it's like I know it's going to happen, and that's why I hate it. <laughs> yes, it's hateably predictable. You won't find that line in the company media guide anywhere. No. <laughs> so we come back from commercial. Marty's still in control. Keenan calls Kurt Hennig the jackass of the century. Vince, Vince is really pushing that anything could happen campaign, and it's truly apt here. Marty gets the slingshot into the post where Sean goes over the buckle and hits his head on the actual metal post itself. The crowd is now biting hard on near falls. I mean, really, like, they think this is it. Not even finishing moves, just, oh, he's down, one, two, ah! You get an inside cradle, and nobody reacts. It's like, okay, that's, well, that's not the finish, because everybody's so spoiled now and jaded. I hate today. I hate it here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm with Bobby on this one. Because the crowd's biting hard on these near falls. Marty gets this twisting crossbody that's supposed to be like a moonsault, but that's good enough. Then Marty gets a reverse cradle. Sean reverses it, pulls the tights, and we get a nice look at some Marty ass. <laughs> Loads of Marty ass. It's more than theme has showed, and I'm kind of upset about that. <laughs> and then Sean gets the not-quite-sweet-chin music to lay Marty out. Didn't have the oomph of the later super kick. No, but this wouldn't be his effect. finisher until Razor Ramon eventually said, use that as your finisher. 
Yeah, it's the best he's using the teardrop suplex, the fisherman suplex, the pile driver. It's like, dude, your super kick's awesome. Use that for your move. But then Sean doesn't go for the pin because this is wrestling. Perfect still standing there in the aisle way. And Sean can't help but berate him a little bit. Climbs up on the middle rope. He's yelling down at Perfect. Perfect takes, that, he takes his trademark towel, throws it right in Sean's face. Sean sells it as though he's been hit in the head with like a, a cannonball. Yeah, it's like it's made of lead. <laughs> he's staggering around. Marty cradles him. One, two, three. And for the first time ever, we have a title change on Monday Night Raw. Absolutely incredible and completely, even watching it now, knowing what was going to happen, just such a shock ending. Because A, Marty wasn't even working there up, up until that day. And B slash 2, whatever, I don't know if it's alph- alph- alphabetic or numeric, I can't remember. It was the first title change in Raw history, so there was no precedent at this point. It truly was. Anything could happen in, in the World Wrestling Federation. And we and twice twice in one night we got two shocking moments. I loved it. I loved it. Marty Janetti in this match looked better than he than he had in years. This was just he looked uh, he looked incredible, like a world beater. And then he beat the champ, and he became the champ. As the it genuinely is one of my favorite moments in Raw so far. Well, if, well, if you knew you were winning the belt, wouldn't you be up for the match? Oh yeah, definitely. But even so, it just. He looked crisp and fresh, and it's a bit sad watching it because you know that like this feud just is so inconsistent and will continue to be really inconsistent because of the actions of mainly one. But on this one night, it was the perfect, the the, the perfect story. It was the the wronged tag team partner finally getting one up on the the dickhead that pushed him through a barbershop window. It felt so right. It was a great moment. Marty's Marty's doing the Shane McMahon crown jewel cell where he's running around ringside just going ballistic. Got the belt in one arm, tagging everybody's hand, hugging perfect. It's a moment. It's an absolute moment. And it feels real, which yeah. is which is the best you can ask for for a show ender to go out on that kind of note. So that pretty much wraps it up there. As I said, I said at the start of the show, this was one hell of a roll. And after going through it with you, I still concur. It's Best amazing. It is, one of, it is so far been my favorite Monday Night Raw that you and I have sat down and done. Like good storytelling, some decent matches, some hilarious moves, and a story between two guys who have been on and off for years, like culminating, it feels, with this big win. It was just great. It reminded me why I enjoy wrestling. It's just simple storytelling. It's Yeah. There's nothing convoluted about any of it. It's just, it's the basics done super well. Amazing. And, I and to... I'm hoping that this is how it is from now on. Well, I don't know if we have any total roles that are going to be this great, but I will say that next week's show, in my opinion, there's a match on the, on that card that is even better than Perfect versus, uh, I mean, even better than Sean versus Marty. Wow. That's high praise. It is a good. We'll find out when show we, we get there. Yeah, we will have a great match on next week's show. We'll have a few squash matches, but overall, for the summer of 93, this is this is about the standard we're going to see for the most part. We've got some great matches coming up, some great storylines, a good build to two pay-per-views, one of which was great, one was good enough. This is Raw's peak for a while, so let's enjoy it.
at JRH writing on Twitter. I'm at Tom Campbell on Twitter. Coming soon, we will reveal who the third man is going to be for our King of the Ring watch along. And I tell you what, I am really excited to hear what Bruce Pritchard has to say about King of the... Oh, oh no, I've said it. Or is uh, it rumour and innuendo? Maybe it's Conrad. Oh, I'd love that. Might not be. Maybe, it's, might be. maybe it's James Ellsworth. Oh, keep guessing. Keep, feel free to throw some guesses at us. Until then, he's been Justin Henry. I've been Tom Campbell. Martin Kirby, why are you fighting PCO? You're going to die. Love you, bye. <laughs> ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com For all the wrestling headlines in just 10 minutes, search Cultaholic Wrestling News on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Cultaholic Wrestling News.